artificial intelligence and the banking sector tend to go really well together after all ai can be used to streamline a lot of mundane tasks detect frauds and also help in customer care financial institutions using ai isn't exactly a new phenomena but there are lots of interesting things happening now i spoke to alok mittal who's the co-founder and ceo of indifi to know more about how banks and financial institutions use ai to serve their customers better listen in to the conversation now thank you rita okay how is machine learning or ai or data analytics used in the banking sector we know that none of these are actually new to the banking sector because most of banking requires data analytics right so how are all these used in the uh, sector yeah so i think uh, broadly i would divide uh, you know the use of ai into you know what is the purpose of using ai right so one considered set of applications that we see is in the marketing uh, analytics area whether it is in terms of being able to convey information to customers and more or more of that is now happening through videos as you are aware you know these videos can now be automatically generated through the gen ai you know tools or it is in terms of enabling chatbots that can uh, interact with customers and answer their questions or it is in terms of creating customer journeys that are chat enabled multilingual in nature so there is you know one set of applications that are trying to make marketing more efficient within the bfsi set there is a second set of applications that are around operational optimization so for example you know as a, a credit provider to small businesses you know we have uh, adopted a fully digital process and part of that is being able to understand the content of documents that customers submit to us machine learning methodologies allow us to ingest these documents without human intervention and get the content of those documents out be able to analyze those Uh, documents uh, automatically and hence drive operating efficiency in our business uh, similarly prioritizing different customers according to their needs is another area where operational optimization and, uh, is relevant so for example if you look at our business of uh, msme lending you know we uh, operate in mostly the 2 lakh to 50 lakh rupee ticket size but frequently we get customers who want even smaller ticket size loans and what we need to do is to make sure that the operating cost that we are putting behind those smaller customers is commensurate with the volume of business they can generate for us so we have deployed predictive technologies to make sure that at the point of entry we can figure out which customers are potentially you know smaller ticket size customers and then take them through automated journeys with lower cost structure uh, than our regular customers right so th- that has allowed us to then address a broader span of customers given that our core mission is around credit inclusion it has allowed us to go to smaller and smaller customers so operational optimization is the second big area where ai is getting applied in different ways third and this is perhaps more true about underwriting businesses both credit and insurance is the use of uh, artificial intelligence models in predicting the risk in the business so when a customer walks in uh, we have uh, different kinds of data for different customers for msmes data tends to be very heterogeneous and then our data models will automatically analyze all of the data to predict what the default risk in that customer's loan might be that allows us to both draw boundaries to who we are going to serve and you know who we are not going to serve but also be able to then price the loans uh, according to the risk that they carry uh, and hence have more efficient financial services in the market so just to recap three broad areas you know marketing analytics operational optimization 
and uh, credit risk and determination. So those are the three big areas where we have used AI. How does the industry in general use AI and machine learning to predict consumer behavior? Is it possible to do so right now? Absolutely. As I mentioned, you know, the propensity, for example, of the customer to buy a certain product. Right, uh, which customers are really interested in your product versus uh, which are the customers who uh, are exploring uh, the product. Uh, now, this classically has been done using conventional data analytics. You know how much time are people spending on the website and so on and so forth. Those tools have now gotten more sophisticated through use of artificial intelligence uh, to make sure that the right response can be given. Uh, to each of those customers' categories. So if someone is exploring the product, then maybe more product information is what should get surfaced up to that customer. If there is a customer who is browsing different websites or different competitors, in addition to your own website, then you want to make sure that you're focusing on a fast turnaround and a competitive offer. Right. So different customers are sensitive to different aspects of the product. Uh, and such analytics allows you to determine the nature of the customer and has focus on the right attributes in order to win those customers. What kind of technological advancements can we expect in this sector? And will these advancements make it more easier for companies to make effective and efficient decisions? So I think there are two you know, distinct growth curves as far as these technologies are concerned. The first is the technological advancement that you refer to, right? And AI technologies themselves are evolving very rapidly. Few years back, linear regression was considered AI. Today, nonlinear technologies, generative AI, uh, you know, those are the buzzwords as far as AI is concerned. And these new capabilities allow you to then sharpen uh, the data models that we are building and get to better level of predictions, whether it is in regards to customer behavior or whether that is in regard to credit risk in the business. There is a second curve, which is, you know, more data makes these algorithms more powerful. Right. So to that extent, while each company themselves are trying to you know, create their own models uh, using the data that they have, you know, really the strength of these models will depend on how much data gets through them. The ability to get large volume of data will become a competitive advantage. So if you look at you know, the language learning models that are coming up today, right, it is almost impossible for individual companies to create models that can beat the performance of those models. Right, because there is just so much more data passing through, you know, the big models that are being created, uh, typically by big tech companies that have access to a lot of data, uh, that individual companies are not really able to match up to the underlying technology. In that case, what happens is the language learning model, for example, in this case, itself becomes a piece of technology that a company like ours can use. So we don't need to create our own LLMs, right? We can use one of the published models and then create our applications on top of that. So, so the Evolution is happening both on count of technology evolution, but also the amount of data that can be churned and analyzed and built into these models. That increases the power uh, of the models. So what does interface experience mean in this regard? So there, uh, you know, like any other business, we have prioritized which applications of artificial intelligence are most interesting for us. The core of interface existence is to increase the level of credit inclusion among Indian small businesses. There are about 60 million small businesses in India, of which about 15% get access to formal credit. Through the use of digital technologies, we want to make sure that we can increase the level of inclusion as far as credit is concerned. Now, what does that mean? That means we have to be able to go and understand the risk in businesses where current tools don't allow us to do that. 
because banks are already yeah. going and serving a certain section of the market where risk is discernible. Now, how do we do that? So one thing that we do is a business approach of, for example, going deep into a few segments and understanding how those businesses behave. Right. But the second element of that is to be able to combine heterogeneous data and build models that can respond to heterogeneous data. So for some customers who come to us, we may only have their bureau footprint. For some customers, we may have demographic data. Right? For some customers, we might have their transaction footprint. For many of our customers, we may have what customers are saying about them on online portals. So what we need is the ability to take all of this disparate data, uh, but come up with one answer, which is what is the likelihood of this customer to default if you give them a loan. Right now, this kind of an application inherently is based on nonlinear artificial intelligence model. So that is you know one of the first areas where we have applied AI in our company because that aligns very well with our business purpose. Uh, the second area where we then went to applying this is in driving operating efficiency. Many of the small businesses don't get served for credit because the operating cost of serving them is too high. These are small ticket size customers, two lakh, three lakh rupee loans. So you can't really send a person to do their credit analysis. Uh, you can't really, you know, have a person sit down and digitize their documents. So the second big area where we went in was, you know, digitizing and understanding documents automatically, you know, based on deep learning models that, you know, we are using. We have not created those deep learning models ground up. But that is the second area where we started to use them. And it is now that we are beginning to get into the marketing analytics side of it to discover propensity, to predict profit pool in a particular customer and hence what is the operating cost stack we should put behind them. And the result of that, for example, has been that uh, now almost 15 to 20% of the loans that we do will be below 2 lakh rupees ticket size, which was a category that we were not addressing till about 18 months. So because you're talking a lot about these underbanked and unbanked sections of the society, at an industry level, how can AI and ML help these people access loans, something which they don't have right now? So over the period of years, we have seen that because of initiatives like the Jandan Yojana, they have access to bank, something they didn't have before. Now that they have a bank account, how can they use that? And banks use AI and MI and data analytics, etc. Give them the loan that they deserve to have, if they deserve to have, that they need, that they deserve access to. So I think one of the biggest revolutions in financial services industry in India has been the evolution of digital public interest. Right? So you referred to the Jandan account. Uh, the fact that most of these people now have a phone and many of them have a smartphone uh, is yeah. another element because, you know, there's a lot of data that gets collected on the smartphone device itself, right? Where is the customer based? Are they moving around in the same area all day long? What is the stability of the number? Right? So there are many questions that you can answer based on the smartphone data itself. And then, of course, the Aadhaar infrastructure on top of that, uh, which ensures that the identity of the customer can be established without fraud. So those have been the key building blocks of the digital uh, public infrastructure in India. There are new utilities that continue to get added to it. Right? For example, account aggregator got launched a couple of years back, uh, which then allows convenient access to customers' financial data while they continue to exercise you know, consent-based control on that. Now, the impact of all of this is that more and more of the customers' footprint is getting digitized, both in terms of process and presence, elements, but also in terms of financial data. That provides a ripe opportunity for banks and other financial services institutions uh, to start to use AI-based technologies to create these clinic models to avoid fraud uh, and to optimize the cost structure of doing business. So directionally speaking, most banks and uh, NBFCs 
will tend to use AI technologies in the three areas that I mentioned before. But to your point, a lot of the data that is required to fuel those AI algorithms is getting enabled through the digital public infrastructure. In some sense, you know, this notion of we don't have enough data so we can't create a model starts to get solved because not data is coming in a uniform manner. So that is one kind of big advantage uh, that the digital public infrastructure has provided. The second piece of the equation is in terms of what comes next, right? So for example, a few years back, uh, the Reserve Bank of India had announced an initiative called the Public Credit Register. Right? Uh, in the consumer space, the equivalent is the DigiLock. Now, that is not just providing the API rails, but that is providing actual data aggregation on top and then be used by financial services providers, obviously with consent from the customer, uh, in order to get the data footprint of the customer. Similarly, the quantity of data available for customers is expanding at a rapid pace. Today, if I look at a restaurant which is selling on an online food delivery platform, the reviews regarding that restaurant, ratings, what do customers complain about that restaurant for, all that data is available in the public space. All right. And hence, smart algorithms can go out, fetch that information, automatically analyze that to assess whether the particular restaurant is being popular with its customers or not, right? And that allows you to then underwrite better risk. So again, what we have done is take industry vertical by vertical, and then in each vertical, you know, determine what are the success metrics for a business. For, for a restaurant, it might be what cuisine do they serve, how expensive are they, uh, what are customers saying about them, right? But for an e-commerce business, it might be about whether they're price competitive or not, right? For a retail business, it might be about how diversified is their business? How many UPI payments are they getting? So for each vertical, we have gone in and we have, you know, uh, captured what the success parameters for their, those businesses are and hence be able to then build models that calibrate for those. So that is the kind of broad umbrella under which backing uh, institutions, making use of data and AI technologies to enhance credit. And how about financial inclusion? So I think financial inclusion obviously is a is a broader term, right? Uh, yeah. I, have, I have spoken mostly about credit. Uh, yeah. Within the financial inclusion ambit, there are elements of payments, there are elements of savings, there are elements of insurance. Um, I think the piece about operating cost optimization is fairly common across all the financial services. Whether that cost optimization is coming because of use of the digital public infrastructure or whether, whether that is coming because of automating using AI. So if you're going to onboard a customer even for opening a you know, current bank account, you know, the optimizations in terms of document recognition, in terms of using the Aadhaar, uh, Jandan stack, all those are still available and they will keep to, keep contributing towards lowering the operating cost of doing the business. The third piece which I talked about, which is risk management, is more relevant vertical by vertical. So, for example, in the payment business, especially if you are putting credit card payments and so on, then being able to evaluate merchant fraud lands up being a problem area, right? And you can go and give these swipe machines to smaller merchants if you can assess fraud accurately for smaller merchants. So that is an area where risk management is applicable for payment businesses. Similarly, if I look at insurance businesses, they are evolving in terms of how they underwrite. So if you look at car insurance, you know, earlier the standard of car insurance was if you're buying a particular car, then you pay a certain amount of insurance and you're done. Now, globally, what is happening is people are saying, no, we should put car insurance uh, price car insurance as per the risk of the driver, right? So we can put a device in the car which measures whether this driver is a disciplined driver or not, whether they are a safe driver or an aggressive driver, right? 
and basis that data, which is real-time continuous flow data, we can then price insurance for the driver. Right? So then drivers get rewarded for uh, displaying good driving behavior. Uh, but at the same time, the insurance company can be efficient in terms of offering a low price to someone who's a safe driver, charge a premium to someone who has a risky driving behavior. If you look at the standard of underwriting in insurance, that is going through a bit change, much along the lines of what I described in the credit space. This is kind of something which is happening in personal insurance sector also, right? I saw a couple of ads a couple of years ago where they'll be like, if you exercise more and we have proof of it, then we'll reduce your uh, insurance amount. It's something similar. Absolutely. Absolutely. So insurance is essentially a risk management business. So whether it yeah. is life insurance, we took example of auto insurance, you could do the same thing in health insurance. Right? Yeah. Suppose I'm suffering from a chronic condition, but I'm displaying good behavior in terms of managing that condition. Then my insurance premium could go down. So because insurance essentially tries to calibrate the risk of a claim, and hence, you know, pretty much in every branch of insurance, uh, you can start to apply this, right? Think about shop insurance, right? Currently, pretty much by location, you know what are the chances of flood and hence be able to say that in this area, this is the premium that we will offer, right? But maybe some of the customers are in a slightly high-raised location in that area where water doesn't accumulate as fast. Some of the others are not. Now, there's no reason why you can't do a finer pricing of insurance based on the actual risk that can be assessed through these models. Uh, so yeah, insurance pretty much across the spectrum, uh, will move towards more individualized pricing on back of better risk assessment. Is the same kind of AIML technologies used for, say, a fintech, uh, used in a large bank, used in an insurance company, and do they change, or are they quite, kind of similar? So, uh, I think the underlying algorithms are relatively similar, right? And these algorithms themselves are a product of technology evolution and years of research. So many of us are using these algorithms. We are not creating new algorithms at the level of, you know, let's say LLMs, right? What we are then doing is saying, okay, what is the business problem I want to solve and applying these uh, algorithms to that problem. So for example, as I mentioned for us, uh, credit inclusion is a big problem. And hence we have applied these algorithms first to credit risk discrimination before we went to other problems. The behavior of different institutions may differ because their business imperatives are different, because their customers have different data footprints, right? If you go to a business which is still largely offline, their customers are not online, right? They might not be able to get data footprint of those customers electronically. But for example, there are some microfinance businesses that are beginning to now collect data on the ground in an electronic format using a tablet. And then use AI on top of that data, which is manually selected, rather than having access to automated electronic data. So I think the context of application, the use case of application, those will vary across different institutions. But the underlying stack of technologies is relatively similar. Correct me if I'm wrong, that say fintechs tend to have more edgier finance, like edgier or new technology compared to, for the lack of a better word, legacy institutions, say something like a Paytm or whoever is newer than Paytm now will have more of more advanced technology than an SBI or an ICSA bank tend to use more well-known and they wouldn't push their customer base out there like that, right? Yes and no. See, every business has a thesis on why they will win. Yeah. For a large bank, 
that might be about having a very strong compliance culture in the right for a startup like ours it might be about finding our customer set in the market you know a large bank may go in and invest in compliance technology right they may apply ai to detect frauds in the system right because there are a lot of transactions that are happening there we may go in and say you know fraud is not our problem today right but today our problem is to win customers and win customers who others are not willing to serve so we may go and apply the same technology to penetrate discrimination i think uniformly across financial services we have seen very high investment levels on technology but the specific area in which that gets applied will differ from company to company and what their thesis to win is to your point you know if paytm is out there paytms will have you know some thesis on why they will win and they will tend to then deploy more and more technology to sharpen that element of their business same with us same with hdfc bank so the areas of application will certainly be different I think we are also seeing a lot of ex- appetite to experiment relatively uniformly across big players and small players. So, for example, on our platform, there are about a dozen large banks and NBFCs uh, who lend to small businesses using our platform. Okay. Right now, they are doing it because they understand that there is a large unserved base of customers, and that our credit algorithms work well to discriminate risk there. So, they can use our platform to go and lend to those customers. so that appetite to experiment i think exists today both because there is an opportunity there and second there is a policy push towards smsme lending because of which many of the public sector banks for example are motivated towards experimenting with these new technologies we are investing a lot in technology but are we creating the technology needed yeah so i think the way uh, this works like any other industry right when a newspaper publishes a print edition right they don't necessarily want to create the printing machine and so i think it's a similar analogy that when we want to create credit models we don't necessarily need to invent new ai technology mm-hmm. right what we need to be able to do is to be able to use those technologies in a way that is differentiated which for example i described that we build industry specific uh, prediction algorithms right that is our way of approaching the problem differently even though the algorithms might be uh, broadly available and then there is a set of companies that are in the business of building the printing press right in our case there are set of companies that innovate on new algorithms uh, create new algorithms they sell that technology to people like us so that we can then build applications on top of that now in some areas we will build our own technology right wherever we are not finding a piece of technology and we feel that that can be differentiated right so for example some of the predictive technologies around customer journeys that i mentioned of taking the right customers with the right operating cost model those kind of technologies we have created in house because we could not find a parallel for that out there but we are not into fundamental research but if india is the indian fintech and financial industry investing in it in as a whole but are we reliant on i'm assuming what it is for foreign technology most no i don't know i think the distinction between indian technology and foreign technology is fairly uh, blurred now uh both because there are localization norms on many of these uh, spaces for example at least in the bfsi sector there are requirements for data to be hosted in india servers to be hosted in india right so uh, so there are those requirements that are coming in plus technology you know has flown fairly horizontally uh, across the globe uh, so whatever piece of technology gets developed then transitions to other places in the world so for example if you take india's technology exports uh, the aadhaar system is now getting exported to other countries UPI system is getting exported to other countries, right? So as much as we would like to export our own technology, we also feel free to import technology. Um, and hence, if you look at, for example, Indifi's technology stack, you will find 
global vendors in there, you will find Indian vendors in there, and there is very little kind of difference in the way we would think about one versus the other. Uh, when it comes to data, you know, then there is more discernment in making sure that because data has a regulatory regime sitting on top of that, and we are subject to the Indian regulatory regime, uh, there is much more sensitivity in terms of where, where is data residing, uh, and do we have jurisdiction alignment with that. I am glad you asked about specific applications of AI. Because sometimes the words AI get thrown around without necessarily saying what are we doing with them. And very often, sometimes the mundane applications are the most impactful ones. Uh, while cost optimization might seem like it's not really transforming the world, but when it comes to areas like credit inclusion, operating cost is a big barrier. And hence, if you can bring down the cost by a factor of 10, that allows you to serve many more customers than otherwise. Thank you so much for joining me today, Anu. Thank you, Nivedha. Bye-bye.